Welcome into another episode of One of These Years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I am Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner. Uh, unless you've melted over there, Nick, how are you holding oh. up? <laughs> how are you holding oh. up this week? Well, it's better today. Yeah. Right? Better today a than little, it was yesterday. A little, a little. My God, like yesterday was... Well, it is, though. Yeah. It is. We're on Thursday here, by the way. We've had some snafus on the recording dates. I also teased a special episode that's not coming yet. It'll be later. Everyone well. just calm down. <laughs> I, deleted, I deleted that tweet, so the ten of you that saw it, don't worry about it. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's been a uh, it's been a hot week, man. But, oh, man. Uh, hanging in here, hanging in. <laughs> I mowed half the yard, and then I was like, no, I'm going inside. Like I'm, I'm done with that. So, I went yeah. out Tuesday and mowed because it was getting bad, and I didn't want to do it Wednesday when it was like a hundred. Yeah. But it wasn't great. <laughs> It was like no, 80% no, that's what I said. Tuesday. <laughs> I think it's going to be bad the next couple of days. And I don't, maybe it'll get better. I don't know. But it was anyway. one of those mows where I had to like immediately throw my clothes in the trash and yeah, then get and a yeah. beer and like just sit <laughs> on the floor for yeah. an hour. Sit on the floor. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I know that. Anyway, uh, it was not. The weather was actually pretty nice. They had the uh, media mm-hmm. combine. Was that Monday? Yeah. Uh, that's right. Monday. Yeah. You, you couldn't stick around for, but that was a, that was a fun uh, afternoon. A bunch of the... Lions, uh, beat writers and TV radio reporters, everyone went through. They bailed on the jugs machine, well, which, I, which I think someone would have gotten hurt. They bailed oh, yeah. on the jugs machine, but I, I think it was a time thing officially. But uh, we ended up doing uh, a little passing drill, uh, hitting mm-hmm. some targets. We had to catch punts. Uh, they used the jugs machine for the punts. We had to get which was. Well, I mean, yeah, the fact terrifying. that you guys went through with that on itself is impressive. Uh, we only got one. We only got one shot at that, so you That's didn't good. get to line it up or anything. Uh, what else? We did field goals and punts, uh, and then a, there's a little par three course, which I, I think yeah, you just yeah, found yeah. out about. I had no idea that was back <laughs> par three there. Hole, yeah. not a course, a hole Amazing. back behind the practice facility. Isn't it like a 70-yard hole? It's like the tiniest. Uh, there's actually two tee boxes. We played from there? like the 60 yard in, I think 55 <gasps> or 60. So it's a little like impossible chip. And then yeah, uh, yeah. there's one that's like 110 or oh, something. Okay, it's back. Okay. And then we went inside and did a little three point shootout. So six events in all. Uh, Tim Twentyman of DetroitLines.com yeah. took the title on a tie break 40 yard dash, which I, at that point I was just happy I wasn't part of the tie break. I had no interest <laughs> in running the 40. <laughs> There were players watching from the balcony at that point. Like, I, oh, not, man. I was oh, out. they made you run the 40 at the end, too. Huh? It was oh, the last thing. That, and there was a false start on the first people. one. So a few <laughs> guys ran back-to-back 40s at the end of two hours. Oh, was, my God. Yeah, I was out at that point. But it was fun, oh. fun afternoon. Uh, I caught the punt, which I was happy with. Nice. I had, to go to the, yeah. I had to go to a knee to catch it, but I caught it. Well, yes, and no one got hurt, so that's always important. No one got hurt. Yeah, it was fun, fun afternoon. Uh, and that was... Uh, you know, we also the last severely anyway. Yeah. Well, right, right. Might have been some <laughs> muscle Minor pulls, injuries. Uh, but that also was the last time we'll see the Lions on the field. I mean, they still got some guys in in the facility, but uh, that's the last time we'll see them until uh, what is it? July twenty seventh, I think, is the first yep. day of training camp. So we've got uh, summer break here. here unofficially, and uh, I don't know. We had a, a post go up our eighty eight thoughts on the eighty eight guys on the roster, which it's now eighty nine. Maybe I'll start there real mm. quick. It, Boom, Devin Funchess, uh, tight end for the yep. Lions. He hasn't played since hasn't played a game since what? I think it's like two years now, at least, right? He, he's well. I think it, at least. Yeah, I could. I guess I could look it up. But he sat out the. He opted out of the COVID right, year. COVID year. He was hurt last year. I think he was hurt the year before that. So I think it's been like mm. twenty eighteen. Maybe was the last time. Yeah. Uh, any quick before we get into our the rest of the roster that Jeez. we wrote about. Uh, uh, yeah. Thoughts on Devin Funchess as a tight end. 
Well, I I saw people, you know, noting that he was moving back to tight end, um, uh, and people were wondering what was, you know, what happened there, everything else. I think the weird thing to note about Devin Funches is that he was, um, you could either argue he was ahead of his time in terms of the flex Y tight end, like the Kyle Pitts, you know, prospect, or he was behind or Michigan was behind in what they were doing with him in terms of, you know, all the things he could do. So they tried to use him as a receiver. He tried to move forward as a receiver. Um, I believe he did not have great speed numbers uh, in terms of, like, long speed at the combine. But, of course, he's an explosive athlete, everything else, as we know. Um, but really with Funches, as has always been the case, I've covered Devin since he was at Farmington Hills Harrison. Uh, when he's engaged and wants to play and takes it serious, he's one of the best players on the field. And when he doesn't, he is not really worth being out there, frankly. So we'll see what Devin Funches we get. I think that's yeah. been the uh, that's been the question around him for a while now. He's with Green Bay. I think they gave him a chance. That's why he keeps getting a chance. Terrific athlete. And look, like I said, when when he's dialed in, I've seen it. Um, he's yeah. a difference maker, and it can happen. It's not like it's not in there. So it's just a matter of uh, what he wants to do. And I think that look, the um, this staff. I think this is a good place for him because they're not going to bullshit with him. They're going to tell him the truth and they're going to be honest with him. And Dan Campbell is going to be dead serious with him. And I think that they probably told him, look, this is probably your last chance, man. Otherwise, you're going to be playing in the XFL. Uh, (laughs) That's not going to look good for you. So uh, here we go. Let's see it. So I'm interested because we talk about this all the time, more than anybody else probably needs to hear. The depth at tight end (laughs) is really important. Yeah. Really important. And they're going to need another difference maker who can kind of detach and flex, but also be, you know, a guy who's willing to get in there and get his nose dirty. So really important spot. And if he could, man, that would be a great low buy, you know, high reward type situation, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm interested too. Um, yeah. I mean, I, really, I, and yeah, I assume that, I, I mean, I assume if he's here, they must feel pretty good about where he's at mentally. I would think so. You know, yeah. I don't think yeah. they would bring in a guy who's just they're, you know, let's give it a week and see if he cares. I, I don't think they do that. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. It's been so 2019, he played a handful of games, but that's been the last time. Yeah. So he hasn't played in a while. <laughs> and he has uh, been hurt, you know, and it's like, I mean, I don't want right. to, I, I, you know, we say things like this, but I've known Devin when he was younger in college and you, people grow up. Um, but he has also been hurt, you know. I mean, you know, like people went through a lot over the last couple of years and he opted out, I think, even before the injury. I think he opted out noting family stuff and some people that yep. uh, he takes care he of at risk. Yeah, so, right. so yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. We haven't seen him really. <laughs> I think that's the thing is which Devin are we going to get, you know, and uh, we'll find out. Should be interesting. Those, those They're going to have some interesting people in camp, Chris. I would say it's not going to be boring this year. Far more interesting mm-hmm. than last year. I would yeah. Say. Yeah. I'm just looking back at the uh, roster when he was on those Michigan teams. Not exactly uh <laughs> Is that a trip down memory lane you don't they want to take? Or no? weren't exactly bathing themselves in glory those years. But they had some podcast. talent. They had some offensive players. Oh, my God. Yes, everywhere. <laughs> and like, you know, when Funchess, It was like Devin Gardner was at QB, right? Funchess, I think uh, they had Funchess and Jake Butt at the same time for a minute there. And Darbo, um, who went to the NFL. And, uh, yeah, and like... Yeah, um, and some guys. Jake Butt was like the classic two-way, and Funchess oh, would play yeah. opposite him. So it's like... Yeah. yeah, Funches was a high school receiver who grew into a tight end, and it was just a in between. But back when being a tweener was kind of a, they looked at it as a negative, which is always kind of a ding. And now I think that's you know quite the opposite. And a guy like that, sure, if he's if he's ready to go, could be in demand. Yeah, and we've seen on this this staff on both sides of the ball. If you 
if you can do more than one thing, they'll let yeah. you do yeah, more than one de- thing. Can, so yeah, we'll sure. see. Yeah, we'll see on that. But let's get into the other 88 guys who uh, yes. made it through the spring on that roster. They had the um, John Penasini retirement, and they uh, had one mm-hmm. of their undrafted free agents retire. So they had two roster spots open. They still got one. But, um, yeah. yeah, like I said, we had up on the site our, our thoughts player by player about sort of where everyone's at right now. Um, we usually start at quarterback or on the offensive side. I guess let's maybe we'll start the other side this time. Yeah. Let's start on defense. Let's go to the defensive line. Um, we've talked about a lot about this, obviously, because of what the draft looked like for them um, and, and the pick of, of Aiden Hutchinson and all the Kayvon Thibodeau debates and everything. Um, just, I, I don't know. What do you think about that front? Like, is this a can they be good up there? I guess that's really the question. Can this be a good defensive front based on what we've seen so far? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that we're, well, the question we're, we're asking is, is can they be more than like flashy? Because I think they're going to flash. You know, there's going to be stretches early in the season where we're going to say, oh, whoa, right. yeah, oh, yeah, they can be good. But then there's also going to be stretches where you're like, oh, my God, they're getting their, you know, they're getting the hell kicked out of them by, you know, a veteran line or somebody if they have a rough whatever. So it's like there's a lot of have to prove it in there. But I think when we watch them just run around, I think that the fact that it seems like you get you, you drop some more high level intensity in there with Hutchinson, uh, you already had a good amount of it. You know, you bring some of that back with Harris, who brought a lot of that to the table. Uh, you know, Romeo is going to get healthy again. Um, so I think it's a competitive room, but also like not it's competitive in a way I think where they all know they're going to play but also like they seem to be competing on effort almost in the stuff they do which is good to see and I think they've all embraced the attacking you know nature that we've talked about so much so uh, I think they can be good but it's like the consistency is going to be is going to be the telltale and really I'm glad we started here because this really is people want to talk about can the Lions make a turn can this they turn a corner this, yeah. this is it right here yep I mean if this group overperforms for what I would probably you know, because I don't think necessarily that I would say they're ready to control a game week in and week out against NFL. I have weaker teams, sure. But if they outperform that, you know, I would say that I'd say they're probably a year away from that. But if they outperform, then yeah, they're, that's this team's ready to turn the corner because you don't need everything, right? We talk about that a lot. You don't need to be perfect. If they're scoring points and stopping the run and making you one dimensional, okay, well, you've got a chance. And like, I think that that's kind of the recipe here. Now, I would ask you, like, same exact question. Where are they in relation to where we, where we know they have to get? <laughs> right. Well, I, it's it's a little tough to answer because you mentioned Romeo, and I think he's obviously a huge piece of this when he's healthy. I, I don't know when that's going to be. We haven't seen him do anything except walk on and off the field, right? Um, right, yeah. So he's probably, I mean, realistically at this point, I think I think it's probably on the table that he starts on the on the Sounds pup like list it. and you're you're out for six weeks. I, mm-hmm. I think that's possible. Um, and Josh Pascal too, who is going to be, a, I think they want him to be a presence inside pass rushing for them. We haven't seen him really either because he's right. had that, you know, lower extremity injury as Dan Campbell called it. So that's two. And so it's a little harder to get a picture of it, but, um, you mentioned Harris. I think he's looked great so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Brockers has been engaged. I mean, I think the biggest yeah. thing like Hutchinson's interesting, and we kind of talked about this going up to the draft because 
almost as much as you can for a rookie, you kind of know what you're going to get from him, right? Like you don't know what the stats are going to exactly. be like. You yes. don't know when right. the when the flashes are going to come, but like you it's know not, what the pros yeah. and cons of that game are going to be for him going in, and that's kind of a unique situation for a guy who's never played in the NFL. So it it does make it a little easier on that front to at least set a bar. The X factors for me are Lee McNeil and Levi Onzerike, and I think we've talked mm-hmm. about them a ton. But you know that year one to year two leap that everyone always brings up. They're playing inside together a bunch, even in you know right. no matter what the front looks like, even when Brockers is out there. You've we've seen some McNeil Onzerike pairings, and if those guys are legitimately good, mm-hmm. like if Onzerike is the best version of Onzerike exactly. somehow for seventeen games. <laughs> I I mean yeah I mean that could be a really not just a not just a competitive front but I think a really uh, versatile mm-hmm. front too which is the goal I think for exactly. all of them up there anyway so because yeah Levi's played some outside too I mean he's he's right. you know in some other linemen he's been the heavy outside guy and I think we've talked about this a lot here on the show um, he's really the biggest X factor I think uh, in that whole front seven because he can be uh, you know him and Hutchinson are the two guys in the front that twitchy explosive power. And if it's all going like you are not doing anything with them, like it's just not going to work. And I think Levi as much as anybody on the defense, because McNeil um, I think is, is a terrific player for exactly what they ask him to do. And, you know, he'll be good at this too, you know, assignment football. He does a great job with it. Anzarike is a destruction havoc causer. Like, and that's what Hutchinson can be too when they're, locked in and ready to go. And, you know, we know that. I mean, those guys are the premium players in this league. The guys that can smash through your pocket right in your quarterback's face and not give him time to even, you know what I mean? Like that wrecks a game. And so that's, you know, that's what it is. I mean, McNeil, as long as he takes the next step, and if Levi, his next step at some point is, yeah, can you be a destructive force in this league or not? And if you're not, then, you know, people will have time for you, but it won't be, you know, quite what, maybe we think it could be. So I think that that's what you're looking at for him right now. And that's why I think he showed up looking the way he did. And I assume he'll show up in July ready to go too, because this is a huge year and a huge spot, I think for him. I'm, I'm really interested to see, or I mean, I think we'll, we'll get a sense early on, especially they're playing that Eagles team right out of the gate that ran yep. all over him last year. Still I a think, good interior up there too. Yeah. And the, the goal for this year, I mean, I think a lot of why you're seeing, the change that the Lions are making is because they found they were in like third and two all the time last year, <laughs> and right. rarely in second yes. and twelve. You know, they were rarely yeah. in spots where they could dictate who was going to be on the field. It was they had to be in their run packages early because they couldn't stop the run, and then they never really got to their pass rush packages because they just weren't in those favorable spots. So I think they're trying. Patricia knows that life. <laughs> I think they're trying to dictate things a little bit more this year. You know, whether or not it works, yeah. I don't I don't know, but I think that's the goal of all this. And so um I, I don't know. I, I I feel like among if if we're talking about the D-line linebackers and the secondary is sort of the three components. Like the D-line is the one to me that I feel best about right now personally. That is know. fair. Yeah. I don't know how you land, but that's I think I I agree. I agree with that, I think. I think that the linebacker, you know, we'll get into it here in a second, but they're still, you know, I'm encouraged 
a lot with the linebackers. And, you know, we haven't even mentioned a guy like James Houston, I guess, who could kind of be both, right? Like, a, yep. we'll see what, what happens. Encouraged by linebackers. You know, I think in the back, we, we, we usually are very concerned, and I think that remains. <laughs> uh, but here, yeah, because, like, I mean, you look at the guys that they've got, and I think that it's it's not really a stretch to say, like, yeah, hey, if, if, if McNeil is healthy and in shape, and we know what he's going to give you. It's going to be good. It's going to be he's going to be a good football player in there all year. Uh, you know he's going to be a problem for guys. If um, Aiden is healthy and in shape, we know what he's going to give you. Like you said, I mean, there's he's the rare rookie, and that's why you draft him that high. That has a minimum level of like we know at least he's going to be able to do this, and it's going to be passable. The fact that Brockers has been out there in minicamp, I think, probably tells me that he's like I need to probably train harder than I did last year because I'm going to get passed by some of these young guys because. There's a little more hunger here and a little more assertiveness, and I think they're hoping that turns into exactly right. Like, can we get a TFL once in a while on first down, please? Or can we get one on second down and get this thing off of track and make them punt so that I don't have to come up with a perfect call on third and three and a half every single series? And that's, you know, kind of the whole thing. And I think that they're in position, if these guys max out or come close to it, to uh, kind of get in there. Was there anyone up there who... Surprised you over the two, three weeks that we saw them? Um, You know, I think that one guy that I look at, Davis, Jared Davis, of course, uh, remains the, um, we'll see, you know, what happens. And I think Jared Davis yeah. and James Houston are sort of in the same boat. Um, I guess the one guy, uh, Austin Bryant is one that's not a surprise, but he's interesting to me because I just don't know. And we talked about this one day, I think, out there. I'm interested, you know, what, how you landed on it at the end. Um, man, he just always looks like he's too thin. He always looks like he just needs more weight, but he is so long and lean and they always work, you know, we see them always working with uh, Julian Aquar about getting skinny and, you know, being a guy who can get inside and make moves. And I, I feel like that should be something that Bryant has in him, but, uh, we just don't see enough of it, you know? And I wonder about him, you know, it's like, is he going to have enough? And my, I guess last year I was probably more encouraged about that. And I don't know if we saw enough of that. And I think my arrow on him is probably toward the other direction, but I'm curious where you land on him as a guy that we just frankly do not still know a lot. We don't have a lot of evidence here, you know, on him. So it's, it's hard. Yeah. I, he's tough. Cause I think like you said, I mean, as the draft and everything unfolded, we were like, well, he's going to be good. You can't, there's right. no space for him. There's nowhere to put him. Like mm-hmm. there's not room on this roster, but then, yeah, I mean, you see him out there, and he's a six-six guy who moves pretty well. He had what four and a half sacks last year on a team that didn't really generate any pass rush. All effort too. It was sort all of effort. right, and you sort yeah. of wonder, well, maybe, maybe we don't give up on him yet. And then you know, you get into some of those numbers crunches, and yeah. where's he going to play, and all that. And I think that that's all fair. But yeah, I thought he had a, I thought it was as as good a spring as you could have hoped for from him. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought Demetrius Taylor was interesting. I don't know that he's going to yeah, play or make the right. roster. He's their undrafted uh, nose tackle out of App State. But he had like three interceptions. He <laughs> like did. Nose tackle. He's athletic. Which, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. That, that probably That's, opens uh, up a can a of worms problem. on Tim Boyle. <laughs> 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 uh, he was pretty impactful in there. The, the one that I mentioned, well, actually, I, there's a lot of guys here that are interesting. I thought Deshaun Cornell looked interesting. But the yeah, one that I mentioned in the... Roster thoughts um, was John Kaminsky, who's 
like a big dude. I mean, he's like a legit 6'5", 6'6", 285. They had him playing all over, too. You know, he played some nose and pass rush spots. He was playing out like 5'7", tech. Um, And he's super athletic, uh, former quarterback like that. That's one. I don't know. There's a lot of bodies up there that are. There are a lot of guys. That they're going to have to figure out. And I think that, I mean, that's really the plan for them anyway. You probably circle like four or five of these guys and say they're going to be on the roster. And then everyone else is going to have to go go do it. There's really no wasted spots. And that's a good thing. Right? There's nobody here that they don't have a plan for, I think is what we're kind of saying, right? Like Avon Kaminsky, who's a guy that I would, same thing. I, you know, he's impressive to look at and he moves around, but there's also like, we, so there were times where we watch him get out there even without pads and be like, well, he needs to get just legitimately stronger because yep. he's got his weight up, but there's a difference between getting your weight up and having the strength to get in there with Vitae and Jackson and like actually not get the shit <laughs> kicked out of you like right off the start. So, uh, there are all these guys have these little like Brad Holmes always calls them superpowers, and that's I think the thing that Lions use in the building. They all have something that, and I think that that wasn't the case last year. And so you could look at this spot, and I definitely think you could say, "Hey, arrow up uh, in yep. the front." And I think the edge included in that too, which is a great news, I think, for them because two years ago, man, we know it was a disaster. It was like there's nothing here. Yeah. There's nothing here, right? And look at it now. I think that's it's a much more promising situation. When you lay it out like that. Well, those edge guys are, are interesting too, because you mentioned like James Houston, Jared Davis, Julian Okora is kind of in that in-between spot where they're going to yeah. use him a bunch of different ways. Um, like Natrez Patrick, like if you're going yep. further down, mm-hmm. Anthony Pittman, like some of these guys, um, maybe even Austin Bryant. Uh, but the line, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you feel about that group, that hybrid group, but then the linebacker group, um, you know, I, I think it was Calvin Shepard said the other day, you know, Alex Anzalone's our guy right now, but he knows that doesn't mean he's always going to be our guy. Like, he's got to be good. Like, he's got to play well exactly. or someone else is going to take his job for week one. So, um, I guess the question is, as we've talked about sort of before on here, is is there anyone legitimately who could take that job from Alex Anzalone? Yeah, uh, I, well, I, don't I, know. Think that, I think that... Uh, uh, Chris Board would probably be the best candidate. I think that might be what he's thinking. You know, in, in that case, that realistically, probably not. Like, I don't. That'd be too much of an ask to put on Rodriguez probably this fast. And I don't think Barnes. Um, I think I'm not sure if Barnes is ready for that either. Um, so I could definitely see them. However, because they gave Chris Board a lot of work in there, as we. As we noted, I think quite a bit during uh, minicamp, but I think he'll probably get a lot in fall camp. That he might be the guy that pushes Anzalone because if you date back to last year, it was Anzalone with a bunch of guys that like had had to prove that they were good enough to make an NFL roster and Barnes. So he wasn't and Collins, Jamie Collins, who basically quit and got traded. <laughs> so like, so Anzalone wasn't really uh, <laughs> being pushed. I mean, to be fair, I mean he did a good job of what was asked of him. He mentored Derek Barnes, you know, good job of what was asked him, but like. I, I think you could argue, other than Reeves Maben, I'm not sure he was being pushed. So I think that their thing to him here is, hey, we, we'll we just play Chris Board next to Rodriguez and not you. Or Chris Board next to Derek Barnes and not you. Like, that could be – and I think that's warranted because we look back at Anzalone State last year, but there are a lot of moments where you're like, if they had anything better, he would be in and not you because this is not good enough. Like, he's still having trouble with all the things that – you know, taking on stuff in the run game. And if he's not perfect with his feet, 
and gets stuck and has to take a guard on, it is over. It doesn't matter who the guard is. So, well noted, because they can't, like, I think they're at a point where if you're going to be a, a veteran leader here, you have, like Tracy Walker, you have to be raising the boat. You can't be lagging us behind. We have to keep going forward. So, I think it is important, and it was good to hear that, actually, that they were challenging him because he, I think he needs it. Yeah, and to just, I guess we should mention, they had board out there with Anzalone quite a bit in yeah. that first-team defense. So I, it's it's something where they can see them playing together. Um, yeah, maybe Josh but, Woods or Sean Dion, you know, could be too. Yeah, Sean Dion Hamilton's interesting. Um, I, that's a guy they liked a lot last year before he got hurt, and he's uh, – nothing really jumps off the page for you there, but he also – Seems like he's usually yeah, in the right spot, which guy, is something man. that you yeah. don't always get with that group. Hanging around. Um, I think Rodriguez will play eventually. I think he's oh, going to yeah. be on special teams a ton. I don't know that you'd, yeah, like, I don't know that week one is realistic. Um, yeah, you want to maybe ease him a little bit more. Yeah, I would think. Derek Barnes is, I don't know. What do you think? Where do you think we're at with Derek Barnes here? Because <laughs> not that he needs to be great. It's year yeah. two. He was a mid round pick, he was shifting around positions from where he played. His last year in college, I think they knew it was going to be uh, kind of a steep learning curve, and they also had to throw him in probably more than they were planning to last year because of the right. Jamie Collins thing and the Hamilton injury. Like they had some stuff come up, but um, do you see any spots where he's noticeably better for you than he was, you know, the last year in camp or at any point during the regular season? It's hard to say because we haven't quite seen enough yeah, that's you know what I mean but I think that he does seem to be um lost less there are still moments I feel like where he's being corrected you know in ways that where Rodriguez and they've raved about him and the thing that Shepard talks about and the thing that stands out is when they tell him to do something uh that's you know he does something wrong and they tell him to fix it it's never wrong again right he just doesn't it doesn't make the mistake doesn't happen again <laughs> there are other mistakes uh, there's right. no re- there's no repeatables, almost very rarely, and that's why you know we tend to agree that he's going to play you know pretty early ish somewhere in there. But uh, Barnes is not there, and he's not to that point. Um, and also, I think there's a little bit it's deeper. You know, I think he was a little hurt last year. Um, we've talked before about you know former running back who made the conversion in college, so he doesn't have quite the long term, maybe natural lifelong seeing the game as a linebacker would. There's a lot more about his ability to just cut and run and go get the ball that is really special. And every time he made a play last year, it would show up, you know, where he would just go, where he reads something and boom, go, just go get it, you know. So, but the confidence in the ability to drop and cover, the confidence of totally knowing where everything's going at all times, he still, I think Derek still has some of the little uh, Jared Davis in him where he'll, he'll fit the wrong hole, you know, he'll fit the wrong gap, like he guesses wrong instead of reads, you know, reads, he's guessing. So... I still think there's a lot about Derek Burns that has to slow down before he can really speed up, and that's hard for linebackers. So to answer, that's a long answer, but to the earlier part of your question, like <laughs> I think he has to have a good year because if he doesn't, I wouldn't be shocked if they draft another stack linebacker next year to throw into the mix here and say, okay, let's see what happens. You know, like wouldn't shock me if they continue as they go forward. You know, guys, even guys that were drafted in that first class, like if you're not going to continue to progress we have a different conversation. So I think that that's probably where we're at with him because he, he had a rocky ish first year, not, not enough to where we would say he, you know, he wasn't starting. Uh, I don't think in the, in many camps. So yeah, I think that he needs to pick it up. That's probably what I would say. Would you agree? Or is that too harsh? I don't know. Like, I think that he needs to have a good year. 
I, I wouldn't advise having a sluggish year. If I were <laughs> no, I'd agree. I mean, I think the Jared Davis comparison is uh, pretty apt. I mean, that's that's been the... there's more potential there. You know, like I think with that's pass coverage, sure. but yes, right sure. now, yeah. But that's sort of always been the challenge with Jared Davis is you know he could run run downhill and maybe yeah. even get side to side on occasion, and if he had Absolutely. a clear path at a guy, he would clobber him and mm-hmm. he would get you some plays. And even if you blitzed him, he would go get the quarterback. And I think Barnes can do all those things in this defense. Whether that's it or not, whether <laughs> they can slow him down, and team. Yeah. Coaching staffs never could get Davis to slow no. down and see the field. That's why and he he's still a hybrid even edge guy. Yeah. <laughs> even he's a when we see him player. out there now, like I said to you, like he is going to get in a fight in in camp, hundred percent, because Probably they were doing too. they're doing like walkthrough drills, and he is just lowering oh. his shoulder and flying in there to the center guard, whoever it is, at full speed, and they're like yeah. catching him and trying to hold him up, and like, yeah. and, and so. That's, finishing every rep as hard as he can. Yeah, that's and I think it's fine if that's yeah. what he is at this point in his career because I think it might work in this defense. You know, sure. just let him go attack, and maybe that's what Barnes is too. But I think this is a big year to see if he's yeah more if he is going to be a guy that can run this defense in a year or two. So, uh, yeah, I think it is a big year for him. And yeah, there's or a at lot- least run it with another backer, right? Like right. At least be part of that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and several guys that have big years in front of them in the secondary too, oh, I think, uh, a lot of them, they got, you know, I was going through Damn near right? all of them, I'd say. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, right. I, that's yeah. what I was going through. Cause I did, I wrote on the defense for our 88 thoughts. And so I, it's 11 corners and seven safeties and every single one of them was like, well, this, yeah, you, it could work. And uh-huh. also it could be terrible. <laughs> like every single guy, uh, so I don't know. I like if you, oh, man, <laughs> if you were guessing right now, is it Oruwariye, a healthy Okuda, Walker, Elliot, and like Carrie Joseph as your five, or AJ Parker? Like, what does your starting secondary look like week one? If you're guessing as of uh, June sixth, based on just what we saw, based on just what we saw, I would say Amani. <laughs> yeah, Will Harris. As yeah. a, as your other corner, because I don't think I don't think Jerry Jacobs is going to be ready, and I don't know, we don't know about Okuda. Right. Uh, I would say Parker is probably still the nickel. Uh, I I I don't know. Uh, did you see him more from Hughes to maybe we'll see? I guess. And then the safeties, yeah, Elliott and um, and Tracy. I think are you know with Kirby Joseph maybe rotating in, and I guess we'll see what Melifonwu does. But man, I just yeah. I got to tell you, like the corners, Will Harris was the was he didn't look bad and i can't figure out if that means that like he's gonna be a good corner or it's like goddamn guys is anyone else can anyone else play corner here like it's it's still hard to tell but he had a solid i I think he was in a much better spot with uh with what the coaches you know from what they asked him to do seems like anyway seems like they were happy with him so uh yeah we'll see what will does there in uh in camp too but i think he's probably in line to play right at least he'd be the third corner if nothing else yeah, I mean, I think he's still going to be – I I keep telling people he's going to be the starter in week one because I, I don't I know if so. Okuda's going to yeah. be all the way back. But, no. Uh, I don't care what Okuda says about that safety thing. He might not have a cho- choice when it's all yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Harris has looked pretty good. Oro Warrior looks, to me, still like – I mean, he looks like Oro yeah. Warrior, like the Oro Warrior we've 
come to know now. Where yeah. he's going to make some plays and he's going to let a guy get behind him every once in a while and he's going to come up and and tackle like Man, I 70% gotta, yeah, of the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> it still looks pretty similar, which is there's a lot of good there and they've cer- he's certainly developed a lot as a player, but you know, I, I feel like people always think we're being overly critical when we say like I don't know that they view him as a one long term. No, I, I, I don't agree. Think they do. I don't <laughs> so, either. I don't know that there is that guy on this roster. Which it's a big champ for every single one of these guys, like you said at the start. And I can already see the little uh, speech that El Pleasant and Glenn gives them all and says, you know, like you guys, like none of you, you're all on the edge here. You're all on like the Razor. No one has anything that we would deem, you know, to be safe. But at the same time, everybody has something here that we'd like to see. But if nobody's going to try it, you know, nobody's going to do anything with it. You know, forget it. Like, we're not going to, you know, nobody here should feel safe to a point beyond maybe this year, maybe next. And I think that's the fair thing to suggest to these guys. And look, if we go out there in camp and we see, um, you know, Chark smoking guys and uh, Amon Ross St. Brown and, um, you know, Josh Reynolds and Funches and some of these guys, if we just see easy stuff like we've seen before and that's what it is for the first, like, couple weeks of camp, then, like, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them go spend some money in August because, like, I don't know if they're going to go into this. That's the big question I have. I don't know. But I question, are you going to go into this year the same way you did last year uh, with guys that you were hopeful for? But if they're going to – if they're still not maybe where you want them, are you going to still rely on them or are you going to go go and do something else? That's a question I still wonder about, right? right? Like, I would ask you the same thing, like, that's something we'll get into, I think, during camp, and it's not something we can really talk about probably until we see these guys hit, but like, and especially with Okuda. But I think that the improvements you've made everywhere else, um, man, I, I, it would be a real shame if you go into the year without any playable corners and safeties, and that's just the only reason why you can't do anything. Because that's what I think you, that's not impossible that that's, last year's camp with these guys was really, really bad. And if it's really, really bad again, then I would say it's a bigger problem than it was last year. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, Curious on your thoughts with that. I mean, I think it can be good. Not, yeah. I, well, I agree. I would agree. Good, it can maybe be good. I don't know. It if can be passable right. or playable or solid. Playable. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, like I think it can be adequate. And if you add in a better run defense and and a pretty good pass rush, like suddenly, then that's all true. Yeah. It looks all right. You know. Um, exactly. But I also think that if you don't have those things, or you have games where the front's not playing as well. It's going to be a struggle because, I again, I don't see a true number one here. I think mm-hmm. you're hoping that Okuda and Jacobs come back, which Okuda's looks like he's in great shape. Jacobs is itching to come back. He's ahead of schedule, but, you know, <laughs> who knows? UDFA, who knows we have what no that idea. Looks like. yeah, right. uh, Will Harris wasn't a cornerback until week whatever it was last year, 12, 13. <laughs> um, you know, Melifanu played a safety for about a week. Uh, yep. Deshaun Elliott's coming back off injury. This is his first time in this defense. Kirby Joseph been around the ball a ton, but yeah, nice they, it's a, it's a tough defense for safeties. I don't think they're going to rush him out there. I mean, it's a lot of stuff has to go right for this to look the way that they want it to look. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think a lot of it too, for me comes back to like me, is there more in there from Oro Worrier? Like, can he take a can he? Because I think he took a big step forward last year. Is is this it? Are we done? Or can he keep going? Yeah, and that's it, a good question. I think that's a big one, and I think it's the same question for Tracy Walker, which is what yeah, Aubrey Pleasant yeah. said in February. Like, yeah, good he's point. good, but we need is him to be it? better than yeah, good. Right, and 
if he is, then, it, you know, you don't worry so much about like, well, is Elliot going to stay healthy? Is Joseph going to be okay? Because Tracy Walker in that scenario is an all pro level safety. If he's just a guy, like if he's a hundred tackle guy who doesn't force turnovers, yeah, right. You got some problems again at safety. Right. So, right. um, I don't know. I I think this is this the secondary makes me pretty nervous because you know what you're going to be facing. You you know you're going to see the Packers twice, and you know you're going to see those Vikings receivers oh. twice, and some of the teams on this schedule this year. Um, I don't know. It, that that <laughs> secondary makes me nervous. That there's going to be some games where they just I think they'll be fine some games and there's going to be some games where they just can't do it if this is the group. Exactly. I mean like, you know, Devontae Adams isn't here anymore, thank God for all of them. But I mean like, you know, I just got I'm still I'm doing stuff on the like a look back on the 2020 draft which included watching Justin Jefferson stuff this week. Okay, like there's not any two guys on this group that I would trust to cover him right now. That's what we're saying. Like, there's just, nothing's been proven here. It's all complete, like, we'll see. And, and that includes even guys that you're really hopeful about, like, and he should be. Like, Jerry Jacobs had a, he had an, a well above expectation year last season until he got hurt. And and he's like, and they love him because he's right now, he's fighting people to, you know, not get out there and hurt himself more, right? Because he's still on the rehab. But, like, you just don't know. You can't pencil him in as a guy that's now a lockdown, you know, <laughs> second corner on your team. That's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. We have not seen enough for that to happen. And frankly, like Okuda is the big uh, people I've asked to see an X factor. And to me, it's like, no, he's a Okuda is a question mark. He is not an X factor. He is a question. I have no idea if he can still play corner. We have yet Deontay Lee wrote a story on the, uh, on the, on a little bit about this the other week, maybe it's two weeks ago. It touched on Okuda. And it's a great point. Like, we have yet to see Jeff Okuda play at the level in the NFL, healthy or not, um, that we saw from him in college. So he is now entering, this would be what, his third year, and the injuries have happened, and we still haven't seen him play even close to what you know we saw from a production standpoint, an efficiency, an efficiency standpoint, everything else, from a guy who we've seen the testing numbers, we've seen it's all there, it, it's in there, and we just haven't seen it. So can he do it or not? And I think... To me, that, like, that's what I, I look at this as, is they're all question marks. I just don't see any X factors here. I see question marks. I see X factors elsewhere. Guys that could be like, whoa. I don't know if I see a whoa here. I see like, okay, if he's passable, then that would be, whoa, okay, good. <laughs> you know? But beyond that, that's my hesitation. And yeah, I agree with you. It's it's concerning for sure. Kirby Joseph, to me, is the guy who maybe could be that whoa player. If there's like, anybody, think... it would be him or Iffy, yeah. And again, it's going to be a tough... Hall for him to get on the field a ton as a rookie just because of what this defense asks from its safeties. But even in camp, he is around the ball or in OTAs and minicamp, he's been around the ball all the time. Mm-hmm. And if they have, if Orwarier can repeat, you know, the type of interception numbers he had, and then you add a safety who can take the ball away, that changes the picture for you a little yeah, bit, right. you know, and, and you hope Walker is a part of that too. But I think Kirby Joseph to me is the guy who could push this forward this year and everyone else you're hoping is okay. And Kirby Joseph to me is a, is a, is a guy who could really do it. So, I mean, you said that early, he's been around the ball pretty consistently uh, pretty much since they got out there, even in rookie camp, even when it was just the rookies. Um, So yeah, in all settings, I think he sort of stood out. Right. So encouraging, but yeah, you don't want to ruin him either and dump everything on his plate and (laughs) be like, Hey, have fun. (laughs) 
yeah. Well, that's what happened with Barnes last year, and then we saw what happened. So that's what happened with Okuda too, and so yeah, and Okuda, right? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, okay. You want to go to the offense here? Yeah, let's. Uh, you want to start with that. the quarterbacks or finish with the quarterbacks? You want to start, start with the start with the offensive line, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Let's okay. finish with the quarterbacks because right. I think we. Uh, let's start with the heart we're of say the team here. <laughs> quarterback, I yeah. think at this point. Let's start uh, with yeah. the, the heart of the franchise, as all five did at one point. I think somewhere in minicamp, <laughs> walked out there and stood around in shorts and the helmet and took a couple snaps together, yep. and it was like, okay, well, hey, there it is. That actually could be really good. And yeah. I would also note before I, I turn it over to you, the other day, right, we're talking to all the assistants, and um, Hank Fraley comes up, and he's like the classic, you know, we suck, everything sucks, we're terrible, we're not good enough, <laughs> you know, that's just what he does. Yeah. And somebody kind of was getting into the whole thing with him, and he stopped and was like, if you're asking me if I think that we have the potential to be good enough to, you know, be a thing that carries the franchise, then I would say yes, I think we do. And I think that's important. That's the first time I think I've heard him go all the way to that level with it. If you really look at the nuance with him, because I think, and I agree with him, like, I think you can tell in their swagger, the way they carry themselves, the way they walk around, that they understand it. Decker seemed like he was itching to just go out there and stand with them when we saw him that one day. Like, I think they get it. And I'm very interested to see these guys together uh, when the pads come on. Absolutely. Your thoughts. I I think I start with it, yeah, Decker looked like he was raring to go. Yeah. Um I think people maybe maybe not around here, but just in general, forget how good Frank Ragnow is. Oh yeah, uh, right. That, and everyone knows uh, outside of here. Absolutely. Like he's a elite center, which is yeah. I mean, to have that in this league is no worse mean, than the means second so best much. Yeah, it right, means exactly. so much. Uh, Jonah Jackson's been good. Vitae looks like he's in the best shape he's been in since they got him. And yep. he was pretty solid last year. But I think a lot of this for the next maybe 10 years probably could start with Panay Sewell. Mm-hmm. And he seems mm-hmm. like he is just going to kick the hell out of people this oh. year. <laughs> like it, it's not going <sighs> to always be flawless. It's not going to no. always be perfect. But there are going to be some moments this year where he is just destroying people i think and <laughs> to have that and be able ideally like to hopefully decker stays healthy because if you can just plant that on the right side and know you can run behind him whenever you want or right the play action move the pocket that way like it there that is going to open up so much for this offense he looks like he's ready to just mash people Absolutely. right now and totally that, agree like I, I'm excited to see what that looks like. He looks focused, um, in shape, admittedly, you know, stronger without losing speed, and talked about how he changes training. Uh, and it reminded me, you know, because the first time I think we talked to him in a long time, and it reminded me of all the stuff you heard about him when he was in school before he opted out. Um, you know, about how serious he was, and about how he, this is a, you know. Every you know, because he does joke around sometimes and everything else, but when it's time to go, like he can turn that switch and be a mauler. And I remember it was probably around this time last year when we talked about like what would be a good year for Sewell in a, as a rookie. Maybe it was later in the summer. And I think the answer we came up with was like, if by the end of the season, you know, you're starting to see what we're telling you is there in this guy, then like he's on his way. And that's I think that's fair. I think that's about what we saw. 
And if we if we ask ourselves the same question today, you kind of just hinted at it a minute ago. If by the end of the year the Lions are running some wide zone schemes and some stuff that are different simply because he's out there and he's just and they're just paving people and just running behind him and moving the ball. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like then he's on his way. Right. Like he that that's the next step for him. I wouldn't I think I think it's unfair to say the next step would be like, you know, by the end of the year we need to see him looking like an all pro or, you know, whatever. I, I just think if you see the subtleties of, okay, they're just run behind Panane right now because, like, not, nothing else working and he's just kicking the shit out of his guy and they're just running behind him. If they start doing some of that, which they do with Frank all the time, if they start doing some of that, then we'll say, okay, now he's exactly where he needs to be and I, that does not look like a stretch at all. He might be doing that at week one. So I don't know, but, you know, yeah, he looks good. Looks very good. I'm interested in the Aiden-Sewell uh, matchup, Chris. I got to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Taking odds. I don't know who's going to win Jared, that one. Jared Davis-Sewell matchup? Uh, <laughs> Davis could ref. That would actually be like <laughs> the only guy that could probably ref it, to be honest with you. Jesus. <laughs> uh, so the other thing Fraley said that I thought was interesting was that he feels pretty good about the depth here. Yes. And that is... I don't know that we agree with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Evan yeah. Brown, I think we saw last year. Yes, really like solid guy. Matt Nelson has been good in that like extra tackle role. I yeah, like the other tight end. <laughs> right, but I don't right. know like if he has to play. If he has to play tackle, I mean, I if, right? If he has yeah. to start at tackle, that's a weak spot. Exactly. Are you? Lucas Stenberg, Tommy uh, Kramer, like where so I don't even know I agree who the with you in that backup guard is. Right I now. think that he, he, they have more potential in terms of like I think there's more talent in there to pick from, but it's still not anything that I would say is like whoa. I mean, Evan Brown is certainly you're in a better you're in a better spot just because he's here, sure, than you were you know before he got here last year. So I think that right there, um, I agree with you on Nelson. I think he could have a role here, but I don't think I trust him to be a starting, certainly not a starting left tackle and probably not a starting right tackle against most teams, right? Like I don't, it would have to be like a, a, a team that just doesn't have a lot there at that position. So like situational starter, that's not what we're looking for there. It's a guy that you want to start, you know, against kind of across the board. So I don't think they've really found their swing tackle yet. This is like the 36th time Dan Skipper's been in camp. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's, you know, we'll see. You had a good catch. You had a good punt catch. <laughs> and then, you know, Stenberg, again, is like, you know, he's a guard, and he has more to worry about because I think they're probably more excited about the guys behind him in that you brought in Jarvis, you, and they still like Tommy Kramer. Um, the kid from Ferris State, I think he's got a long way to go, though. Um, McCollum, yeah. uh, the kid from A&M. So I think that they like more of their options there behind Stenberg. So I can understand maybe what he's saying there, but tackle – you know, the kid from TCU with the big long arms is very interesting, but uh, he's not going to be ready, I don't think, um, very early. Maybe. We'll see. But it's just there's more probably to work with than than we saw last year. I think that's sure. fair, but it's still going to look like a clown car at times. <laughs> I think yeah. <laughs> And yes. it might be bad in camp because, yes. as we talked about, the defensive exactly. line, I think, has some guys at that second level, the third, uh-huh. you know, second and third spots on the depth chart where they might – yeah, that, it might get bad for that. Uh, <laughs> We've seen it already for the backup offensive line. Part of why the backup quarterback is not good is because yeah, even in shorts and even yeah. even with no pads on, they're getting pressured every single time. So, um, yeah, and I guess that kind of folds over too into tight end because you mentioned the need for depth there, and like you hope Hawkinson stays healthy all year. They seem to really like Brock Wright. Shane Zilstra's looked 
Zilstra had a but, nice minicamp, yeah. Yeah. Um but that's we but, know yeah, right. <laughs> we know they're gonna want to play a couple of tight ends, you know, a decent amount, especially if they're winning games. Mm-hmm. Uh if they're ahead, they're gonna want to get some extra bodies out there and run the football and all that. So uh if they go into the season with Hawkinson, Brock Wright, and you know, whoever it is, Zilstra or Funchess or whoever that third guy is, yeah. uh how is that okay? Are they good enough there? Uh, no, probably not. Um, like I think Mitchell, we, we still need to see where right. yeah. he goes and, and has to get healthy and everything else. And everyone's very intrigued by him. And I think Funchess can be, you know, I, I, I will call him a little bit. I don't know. What's the, what's one thing under an X factor, a Y factor. Is that, I don't <laughs> know. Like we'll call Funchess like a possible, like he could be a possible difference maker. If he shows up rare to go, then I think he definitely could give them something they don't really have. So I think that he, there's guys in here that are encouraging with like Zilstra had a really nice mini camp yeah, and like good. really good mini camp and looked like the athlete that they were so excited about. And they were, you know, Campbell talked about how excited he was about how fast he came over the injury and everything. And man, if he has a great camp, like, okay, well now that's a different conversation. So like, it's still though, I don't know if I buy the Brock, like Brock Wright to me is not a, he has not shown enough in, in the stuff that we've seen him to be a guy that I would trust as my, tight end two and he's the best here. So like, that's kind of where I still land on it. Just, it's still Mitchell is the one guy though. That's you're like, if that proves to be what you think it can be now, you got something going him and him and Hawkinson would complement each other pretty well. And I think that would, that would work out pretty well. Yeah. I mean, I think, and that's a big one. He said, he's going to be ready or expects to be ready for camp. And if that's true, um, I mean, yeah, that's big. That helps a lot. lot. Yeah. I mean, uh, and we've, you know, we've talked, spent some time. Uh, we talked to Ben Johnson. We've talked, heard from Campbell about just what the tight ends can be and what versatility can do for you. And like we always talk about Swift and the St. Brown and the wide receivers and stuff, but to have Hawkinson and Mitchell on the field together, that would create some problems over the middle for linebackers and safeties and what the defenses can do against you because it'd be really tough to defend those two guys without. Yeah adjusting something in the middle of the field to, to account for him. So, Absolutely. yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I think Zilstra maybe can do some of that stuff too. I think I don't so know. too. I do. I think he's got some of that. He can bend and get under people. Um, and I think that you can do a bunch of stuff with him. And, like, he looked good running in space against uh, air a little bit. <laughs> but he looked, yeah. he looked good. I mean, I don't want to yeah. get, you know, ridiculous here, but um, – Zilstra would be your your spring training all star, I would say, right? To, to probably not get too excited about, but also like, hey, we'll see what happens uh, come camp time. He had a nice he had a nice mini camp for sure. Uh, wide receiver, obviously, still waiting to see Jamison Williams. Um, yeah, I, I think they're. I mean, they might have to like. Yeah, they're going to have him to the goalposts uh, yeah. during camp. Uh, if I think he they're going to have play. to probably do more. Uh, yeah, do more <laughs> monitoring with him in the summer that they probably were ready for. Like but he, we'll see. He wants to go. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that group too. I think he. I mean, that you got to feel good about where that group's at, right? Like, yeah. I don't know that there's a super like a number one, like a true you know, there's not, but X number one, but St. Brown can be a right. hundred catch guy and you've got some options there. So I think you got to feel pretty good about where they're at until Williams get back. And then even right. better once Williams gets there. I just think like, tell me if you agree on this. I just think that there's, there's a difference in how they carry themselves right now as a group. 
Um, first of all, they carry themselves as a group when we watch them work and everything else. There's a difference in terms of the, I think the pace and the speed and the, and the, and the expectation of what they do, it's more crisp. I think, you know, St. Brown and Raymond are guys that sort of lead the paces there and they all follow them. And, um, I was curious your thoughts on that. Cause I, it's been noticeable to me. I think like Cephas had a good mini camp and I can't help but think that's because he's just in line with those dudes and doing what they're doing. And it's like, he had a good camp, you know, cause everyone's about their business here. Not that it always hasn't always been that way, but there are times that maybe not. And I think that some guys, you know, I can't go today. Well, why not? Well, I just can't. Okay. Uh, we didn't see any of that. Right. <laughs> so I think that, um, that was noticeable to me. I'm curious to see your, or hear your thoughts just on the field of like, they just felt more mature to me, I guess. And they're not that much older. It's still a young group, but it felt more, more mature and sure of itself. And I think that's going to be good for golf in general. Yeah. Well, and Randall, uh, Antoine Randall said it the other day, you know, just the room, it's yeah. better now. Like it's clearly better. There's mm-hmm. more talent there and you're seeing guys. I mean, I think you're seeing when they talk about, you know, competition raising yeah. the level, like you're seeing like what you're talking about with Cephas and Trinity Benson. Benson and, too. Yeah. Had a like, great all these camp. guys are just showing up because they have to, or they're not going to play. They're not mm-hmm. going to be on the roster. Um, and yeah, I think it does start like if you go back to last year, um, he wound up catching a, a bunch of passes and helping the team in that way. But I think to bring in Khalif Raymond mm-hmm. and then to draft St. Brown and like you're saying, to let those two guys sort of dictate yeah, what man. the expectations were going to be, what the work they ethic was going to be in yeah. that room. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't take a day off because St. No. Brown and Raymond are going to spend an extra two hours out there catching no. passes. They'll you know? make you look and like shit. Gonna... Bottom line. Right. I mean, they will, they'll make you look like bums. If you, and so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I think that that is, um, that's just where it's yeah. the bar's way higher in that room than it was a year ago. And then you see, you know, like Josh Reynolds is a guy who, uh, wanted to stay here. They wanted him back. They have a very clear idea for what they can do with him. Same thing with shark. Like, I think they're going to find spots for him. And then once you add Williams to that, right. like, I, I mean, I know people have concerns about golf specifically throwing to Williams and what that might look like, but I don't know within this offense with what they can do everywhere else. I think there's going to be a lot of times where either defenses have to roll that safety over or, or switch coverages to account for Williams, or you're just going to give him the one-on-one shots downfield. And even if it's golf, you say, all right, throw it up. Let's go make some plays. Right. And I think they're going to do some of that with shark too. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that wide receiver group is um, it, I think it's really solid. And I think there's some, some guys there that, that golf can trust on a, on a weekly basis. So you got to feel good about where they're at there. I mean, you got two professional go get it guys in St. Brown and Reynolds who are, I think as good as you're, you're going to find in terms of the steadiness, the consistency, you know what they're going to give you right. Every single time shark is the guy that I think maybe we look at and say he could really turn this into something else. Um, even without Jameson. But I think at the end of the day, <laughs> Like, this is going to be an offense that, and we know this, that it's going to be, they've said it, it's going to be more matchup dictated and everything else. And Jamison Williams' mere presence, um, when you see what he does in terms of blowing, you know, people away 20 yards deep into or out and everything else, like, is going to create opportunities for everyone else on the field and himself. So, like you just said, Chris, like, there are going to be times where it's like, he's just by the corner, so just throw it. 
He's just buy him. So just we'll just see what happens here. <laughs> you know, like, and that's that's going to be a target for him. And that's going to take a second and everything else. But like, that's how he plays. He's not he's not spot dependent. He can play inside. He can play outside. Um, I think that a lot of the people that had questions about him had questions about him because of what they asked him to do at Alabama and weren't necessarily looking into the full... I think it's a little bit Jefferson-esque. I probably said that wrong. But he can do more, I think, than we saw in <laughs> yeah, college. Yeah. And, you know, when when he gets out there and is healthy, it's like, I think it's going to be a, a Like, remember when we saw how Swift got out there and how it suddenly it changed? Like, oh my God, you have a guy who can actually make someone miss and do something that people would actually have to pay attention to. Like, now that's going to be this possibly on a, you know on another level. So... Yeah, I mean, it could be in a very good spot by the end of the year. Very good spot, but right. a long way to go. Oh, well, and that's the thing we said with Williams as soon as they drafted him. Like, the Lions, they've had, you know, obviously Marvin Jones was the guy you could get downfield, and Galladay, when he wanted to be out there, could get downfield, and, like, yeah. Marvin Hall would right. <laughs> give you one a game. Damn, uh, yeah, that guy. But other Jeez. than, like, Calvin Johnson, like, there isn't a guy that that's, can stretch the field the way Jamison Williams can you know like no, there isn't a guy that they've they haven't had a guy like that and obviously Jamison Williams is a different right uh, yes, type of player yes, than Calvin yes. Johnson but I just mean in terms of like the the explosiveness there it, it's not something that they really can replicate with the guys that they have other than him I mean Shark again I think can do some of that but like this is a there's a reason they traded up for him like this really could be a special player and regardless of who the quarterback is. So, um, yeah, again, it's, it, it, it's hard to explain it, I guess, because he's yeah. been hurt and we can't right. he didn't run right. and he didn't run at the combine. Right. Like if Jane, if he'd gotten hurt after the combine and people saw his like flying 20 or whatever, they'd be like, okay, I get it. Cause it would be ridiculous. It would be way ahead of everyone else's like, that's his thing. Like he's no matter how fast, you know, your got your, your best cover corner is. Like, Derek Stingley was the best cover corner in, in college football last year. The best press corner in the draft. Everyone agreed. And I think that's how it played out in the draft, right? He, he went higher than uh, uh, Sauce, did he not? Or was it wrong? Did I have this wrong? Well, he should uh, Anyway, he's the best where did he go? <laughs> press corner in the draft. No, yeah, he went three. The Texans yeah, took him at three. Yeah, and he is a guy that had problems with Jamison because he can get on you and climb on you. And you've done everything right for those first, like, you know, those critical first couple steps in, in coverage. And then he's got more. Like, there's more there's more gas. And you're just like, come on, man. Like, there can't be more in here, you know? So, like, that's what we're talking about. And I think in terms of just, like, the pure, natural, holy, what is this speed? No, they really haven't had a guy like that. Um, you know, a guy who could be a difference maker. You know, Calvin is, is what everybody, you know, thinks of, obviously. But other than Calvin... You know, I don't know what you would compare him to. They really haven't had a player like him, I don't think, um, when he's fully healthy and out there. So, yeah, it's hard to explain, but, you know, and he does have to get healthy, and that's the big thing is he can't risk and do anything or come back too quick because then all this is going to be just talk on a podcast and no one's going to care, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Uh, all right, let's hit um, running backs interesting too because we know, you know, you got to keep Swift out there. Yep. I think we, you know, Jamal Williams, we know what he is. Yep. Hulu. Uh, Craig Reynolds? <laughs> Craig Bell? I like <laughs> Craig Reynolds, man. I think it's going to be hard to push him off of that spot. Yeah. I do. I think it's going to be hard to push him off of there. The, uh, I think Greg Bell, they are, he's going to have a good chance, maybe. But 
I guess it, you know the one guy that I would I would circle and ask you your thoughts here is Jamar Jefferson. Um, because I'm going all the way back to like the first couple weeks of camp before he got hurt in camp. Like there were some moments where he'd hit the corner and like you're like okay, like this is yeah. he's he is turning that corner sharper than Swift is. And that's why they were getting pissed at Swift because they were like, "Would you please do this? Like it's your, like it's your damn job." Swift Jefferson is outplaying you, right? So like, he looks like a guy that could maybe be something. And man, I don't know. It's just like, is he going to get lost here? I know they're still going to give reps to Iguabuke and everything else, but I wanted to ask you about Jefferson and your thoughts on him. Like, I just don't know where he fits. Based on what we saw from him last year and sort of how. I don't know. It feels like he's going to get lost here. I think yeah, so too. I guess. <laughs> that's that's my gut. At Hard the to moment. see otherwise. Because I, yeah. I think Swift Williams, you're, I think you're right about Reynolds. They really like Reynolds. Um, I think at this moment, they like Iguibuque more as a pass catcher than they mm-hmm. do Jefferson. And I think Bell gives them a lot of the same things that Jefferson gives them as right. an all-around guy. You've got Cabinda to account for when you're talking about the numbers. Like, How many running backs are you realistically carrying here? So maybe... Like he might be a guy you can slip down and stash on the practice squad. I don't know that he's done enough that other teams are going to be banging down the door to get Jamar Jefferson. But I'm having a hard time. He needs to have a big camp, I guess is my my opinion. Like I just don't see him making yes. this roster at this moment. I think you have your top three: Swift, Williams, Reynolds. You've got Cabinda, and then there's a bunch of guys battling for that other spot. And I think Igubuke is better as a pass catcher right now. And I think he's better on special teams right now. And so yep, that's Jefferson has to have a big camp go? and he has to get into a game and have like a big game. Frankly, yeah. I think like he's the guy that you look at and say, whenever they go out there in a preseason and he gets like a couple of series, it's like, well, that, here it is, buddy. <laughs> like it's we're, We boiled it all down to this right here. Like, I think that might be, we've talked about a little bit about that with Stenberg last year. Um, and I think that might be Jamar Jefferson here. He might be that candidate. Uh, Stepper will still be that candidate now, but like obviously uh, <laughs> he's older now, so it's. But yeah, I and, and I and I hate you hate to see it, I guess, because you know he's a talented player, and yeah, I think he might get lost in the wash here. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I and I feel the same way. I like him too. I mean, I think he could do some stuff. We saw him he came in. And he had the. What, right, the long touchdown run. Yeah. The one time he got to play, and then he got hurt right away. Yep. So he immediately it was unfortunate yeah. for him because <laughs> yeah. the door was wide open for him to have yeah. Some, yeah. some moments then. So um, I don't know. I mean, I really think that's a spot where it's mostly just going to come down to are you taking four? Are you taking. Yep. And then Jamar will be with the 49ers. Uh... Taking, like, yeah. <laughs> and I think. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's going gonna, gonna to be kind of a fun. It will be. Because I don't know that Swift will play a lot in preseason. I don't know exactly. if Jamal Williams will play a lot in preseason. So I think you are going to see a lot of Jefferson, Ingwibuke, and Greg Bell. And Greg and Bell, yeah. Let him go win it. Let's go yep. see who wants to be on this roster. I think you're right. And that's like that's the great part about, I think, the, the next step they're taking is that you're going to be able to now highlight, hyper-focus your competition on certain spots and really grind out more production from those spots on your roster. Like, whoever comes out of that fist fight on top is going to be a really good football player, right? They're going yep. to be ready to go. And that's what you want. And I think that that's, they, they're closer to that on offense. Certainly. I think they're kind of there in a lot of spots on offense right now. Uh, so are you ready to watch Tim uh, Boyle and David? Well, not Brown this preseason? one. <laughs> <laughs> like everywhere, but this one, I guess. I don't know, man. <laughs> this was not a good uh, mini camp for the boys in the red jerseys. 
<laughs> other than golf. Golf looks golf looks golf ready looks to good. go. Golf yeah, looked very good. I liked yeah. everything we saw from Jared Goff. We'll get that out of the way right now. Uh, much more comfortable, right? I think we saw that right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think we all expected that and everything else, but certainly noted. You, we saw him pulling guys aside and working on adjustments. Um, he's talked about his comfort level with Ben Johnson, all this. Great stuff. But... Guys, and we'll see about Jared Goff, right? And we've done, we've been over all that. This backup situation now, I I, I I don't know what's going on here. Like, I think that they they invested the money in Boyle and are just like, we're not giving up on Tim Boyle. We we paid him, so sorry, we're gonna ride this out and see what happens. But I got to think that 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 ride out is maybe hitting at some point a danger spot. I don't know, maybe not. But yeah, your thoughts. Uh, I mean, I don't think they're winning games if either of those guys has Absolutely to play. Absolutely not. Nope. So, at right. that point, does it yeah. matter? I mean, at that does that is that just how it is with life as a back with backup quarterbacks in the NFL, or is that a failure to not upgrade that position? I would probably argue it's more the latter because yeah, I think it's you could find yeah. find a guy to at least hold down the fort. They seem to think that Tim Boyle, like you said, could do that. I have seen no evidence yet that that's no. the case. I think I think they have two threes here. Yeah. yeah, right. And I personally, I think I would rather see David Blau in there because, and we talked about this during one of the practices when they were, you know, taking sacks and scrambling and seven on seven drills yeah. and all this sort of stuff. I personally, just my personal roster building strategy is I'd rather have a backup quarterback who. Doesn't need to be a complete 180 from your starter, but I'd like him to have a slightly different skill set. And I think David yeah. Blau at least gives you some, not a lot, but some mobility <laughs> right. back there. And he'll take off and run. And so that that on that basis alone, I think I'd rather have him out there because he gives you just a slightly different dimension than Jared Goff. But and, I, I just don't see a lot from either. You know, I think David Blau, as limited as he is as a passer, um, from what we've seen, is just more consistent with like make the right read, get yeah. the ball there, like just you know get us out of here. Like if you had to get somebody to get you like hold the fort down, he would probably be the better candidate. Yeah, because Boyle is going to lose you the game. Like, that's where it's at with him in terms of the erratic, over-the-middle stuff. You know, how many times Kirby Joseph could have had 36 interceptions in, in <laughs> camp, right? My God. So, he's got to get a lot better. Um, but I agree with you, man. Like, it's been this way for a while here because it's like, you know, you're not upgrading the spot. You're you're just sort of – you just got these two guys who aren't really a threat to your starter because – they're here, and I think a lot of teams do they they do this on purpose, and I think that's part of the psychology of the position. That's, I do uh, I do not want to have a guy behind a starter who is a little nervous um, about himself or whatever. I don't want to have a guy behind him who is like out here in practice making him look like shit. I can't have that. Like, and frankly, with Jared Goff, right, wrong, or indifferent, that was their situation last year. Now, uh, probably not. Right, he seems to be in a much better place, and I'm willing to buy that that plays into it. But like, we could also look back and remember when Matthew Stafford. And this obviously isn't this group, but like when the Lions brought in uh, Chase Daniel, the backup Stafford for crying out loud. Like that's the one where you're like, at least they haven't done that. But it's like you know, I'm curious to see what they do after they move on from Boyle because I'm not sure how much longer this is going to go. Well, that that was my question because I think we've talked about last year so much of what they did. Everything on offense was just let's help Jared Goff just like chill out mm-hmm. and enjoy football again. And yep. like 
you know, relax. And so you've now got two guys in there that I think for what the lack of what we've seen on the field, I think those are two guys that are probably helpful in the yes. locker room. Like David Plow, I think is going to be a quarterback's coach in like five years yeah, and certainly. maybe Tim be, yeah. Boyle too, but I think Could David be. Plow for sure. And um, so you have two guys that Goff likes that Ben Johnson probably likes that, you know, they, they have a good room in terms of being able mm-hmm. to spitball ideas and everything. And so if, if the consensus is, well, if Goff gets hurt, we're in, we're screwed anyway, Let's give him two guys who are going to help him be as good as he can be here. And right. maybe that's all this is. And maybe we don't need to read anything more right. into it. Right. And that could be. Um, but I don't know necessarily if that's the case because did, they did pay Boyle. So, right, that's true. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> like they did give him some money. And it's like, it's okay. And I think that it's fair to say Tim Boyle should probably need to have a – when he gets in there in the preseason and we see him in camp, you know, like it we – and I, the reason we're talking about this, frankly, is because, and the reason why it stood out to everyone, I think, is because Goff was noticeably better in minicamp. He improved. He got right. better right. from where we saw where he was a year ago when everybody was brand new and everybody jumped in and, right, okay, fine, he's the number one draft pick and he's the starter, whatever. Yeah, but he got better, and it's noted. Boyle didn't, and it's noted. And I think that mm-hmm. that's what I would say. I mean, at least from what we saw out there, and um, anyone that was out there when we were, I think, would have a hard time disagreeing with that. So, yeah, that's probably the end of it. All right. Well, uh, I think that's a good spot. I think we got yeah. through everything. We didn't talk about the specialists, but well, we can save the Riley Patterson, uh, Austin Seibert. Campbell cut all the cutter. Or Campbell cut all the kickers before camp last year, yeah. anyway. So it's even worth it. Other than Jack Fox is a good punter, I guess. You got any other? Uh, Special episodes you want to fake tease? Before? Oh, no. Yeah. No more. We'll have one soon. But, uh, it's nothing, nothing serious or anything. But, uh, we have something all right. planned, so, yes. Yeah. Coming uh, soon. But I don't know when it'll be because I think we might have some uh, breaks here coming up. Possibly. Yeah. I, I will tease if people are for the people who have stuck it out now for uh, an hour and 10 minutes. I will tease. I mentioned we talked to Ben Johnson. Um, yes. Nick and I did sit down with him for a little bit this week. Uh, watch some film, talk to him about a couple of his receivers and sort of where he sees this offense going. And so yeah, that, that was really good. Was awesome. I mean, he he's all, he, he was, was great. great talk, and yeah. uh, and that's uh, you can find that story coming up, uh, I believe, in a couple two weeks here, weeks from yeah. when we're recording. Yeah, by the end of the month. But uh, so yeah, that keep an eye out for that one because I think that'll be really interesting. Uh, we did something similar last week with both or last year with both mm-hmm. coordinators. Uh, so yeah, keep an eye out for that one. Otherwise. Uh, head over to theathletic.com if you still need a subscription. We're ad-free on the app there if you go into the podcast section. Otherwise, you can find us at Google, Spotify, Apple, everywhere else looks in the podcasts. Uh, shout out to our friends in uh, France. I think, I we think were that's, yeah. <laughs> we were climbing the Let's charts. Let's go. France, so <laughs> Bonjour, everyone. From over there. We appreciate it. Au revoir. Uh, yeah, hope... Uh, Hope you're all doing well out there. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.